0: on this episode of the break in the game show i'm joined by mo murphy who is the vice president of the off the ball network and the host of the up in flames podcast we talk about myers leonard's insensitive comments and then we get into the second half of the season predictions we go over who we think are going to be the biggest risers and fallers in the nba and who the second half mvp is going to be you're not going to want to miss this episode thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll be right back after this break
1: Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Remember that Break in the Game is a, an Off the Ball Network exclusive show. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. He is the vice president of the Off the Ball Network, and he's also the host of the Up in Flames podcast, and that is my good friend, Mr. Mo Murphy. Mo, What's up, brother?
1: What's going on, Steven? You know, I appreciate, you know, I feel like it's an honor. I get to fill in for Austin tonight. Um, It's going to be a great show. Obviously, I love getting on and talking basketball with you. So, you know, when you gave me the green light that I could come on and do this, I was like, well, this is going to be easy, talking ball with Steven. We could do this for hours. Unfortunately, we have a time slot, but I'm definitely ready for the show.
0: Yeah, man, I'm glad to have you. Now, remember, with Austin on or not being on today, got some pretty big shoes to fill, you know, shout out to I our do. buddy, Austin. Uh, he do. does a lot of great work. Couldn't be here tonight. But man, I, you know, I had to reach out to you because one, you're my boy. You know, we mm-hmm. look out for each other. Want to have you on. Uh, you're yeah. doing a lot of great stuff and just want to get you out here a little bit more, man. Uh, see how you feel in this Dash Radio little, little networking that we have going on, man. But yeah. uh we have a great show lined up today, everybody. We're going to be talking about our second half predictions, but real quick, we got some breaking news right before this show that the Off the Ball network, which is where Mo and I both contribute to, we both are under that network and that network has picked up a new sponsor and that is Manscape. Mo, how excited are you for, your, for our new sponsor, brother?
1: Hey, I love it. I mean, any sponsorship is a great sponsorship. Um such a such a company like Manscape to be interested in giving us some sponsorship is always a great news. And it goes to show the work we've put in. You know, well, I think we're coming on six months as a network together. We've been all working together um, longer than that. But for six months, just to see some of the companies that when we reach out to them, they're very interested in what we're doing. Like, not only is it exciting, you know, to get a sponsorship, but then it's like a pat on your back. It's, it's a big applaud for how far we've come in a matter of six months. If you would have told me this six months ago when we first started, I would have felt like Manscaped was a reach to get as a sponsorship six months later, but we're, to me, we're hitting strides so fast. It is just, it's a great feeling to look back at your work and everybody's work on the network and know that like, because of the work everybody puts in day in, day out uh, with all our shows, it gets us stuff like Manscaped and gets us interest. So I definitely love it.
0: Yeah, me too. And we got other great sponsors too. Uh, the Gronkowski's new ice shaker bottle is going to be sponsoring the show. And we also have Fanatics. So if you're not with Off the Ball Network, you need to be right. And mm-hmm. again, very appreciative of all the sponsors, very appreciative of the platform that Dash Radio has given us via the Nothing But Net channel. But today, Mo, we're gonna we're gonna segue into a little bit serious of a of a topic. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to come in this lighthearted or, you know, not seriously, but It's an NBA conversation. We're an NBA show. Therefore, we have to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, Mo, you know that Myers Leonard has, you know, for one, he plays for your beloved Miami Heat. So this is a situation that's very near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. And then it's just weird because, you know, a lot of athletes now have kind of a second income almost, if you will, just from the fact that they can get on Twitch and stream and people are going to watch them play video games because they're famous. Myers Leonard had kind of, taking advantage of that and you know good on him for having another stream of revenue but he was playing call of duty the other day on on his streaming site and he was seen and heard using derogatory language that we're not going to repeat here on this show but um after he used it you know he he received a call said it was from his wife and he had to leave and he exited the game and it's funny that he also found time to mute the conversation at that moment right not when he was about to say some stuff that he shouldn't have said, right? Mm-hmm. But at that moment, he received a call. He knew to mute his mic. Uh, he said it was from his wife, and he had to go. Uh, later, Leonard issued an apology via Instagram, and I'm just going to read through it real quick, Mo. It says, I'm deeply sorry for using an anti-Semitic slur during a live stream yesterday. While I didn't know what the word meant at the time, my ignorance about its history and how offensive it is to the Jewish community, is absolutely not an excuse, and I was just wrong. I am now more aware of its meaning, and I am committed to properly seeking out people who can help educate me about this type of hate and how we can fight it. I acknowledge and own my mistake. There's no running from something like this that is so hurtful to someone else. This is not a proper representation of who I am, and I want to apologize to the... Arisons, my teammates, coaches, front office, and everyone associated with the Miami Heat organization, to my family, to our loyal fans, that's you, Mo, and to others in the Jewish community who I have hurt, I promise to do better and know that my future actions will be more powerful than the use of this word. And that's the end of his statement, Mo. So after having a little bit of time to think about this, I'm very curious, and I want to get your take on what you thought of what you saw in the video, if you have seen it, and then what you think of this uh, you know apology of sorts that he issued via social media?
1: Yeah, so with the term, I'm not familiar with the term, I, I would have never said it because I didn't even know it was a word. Um, but what I will say is even if you didn't know what it meant at the time and the way that you used it, it was it was some type of offensive. Whether you knew it was an offensive terminology to the Jewish community in itself, or you were just trying to offend or upset about how the game was being played, it was it was a term that shouldn't have been used. You're not a regular gamer. You know, you're Myers Leonard. You play in the NBA. You're an NBA player first. You're a professional basketball player first. That's your platform. Um, that gains you your spot, your gaming sponsorship really started becoming, it came out that he was a big-time gamer during this pandemic when guys were at home. But it was, you know, it was the way you said it that you knew it was offensive regardless. Like, whether you know what community you're offending, you know, I don't think it was as blatant as using the N-word because you know what community, using that the, that derogatory term, you know who you're offending, but it was just the way you said it. You knew it was offensive. It sounded offensive the way you said it, the way you used it at the moment. The apology, it was, you know, typical what you expect out of an apology from Myers Leonard. Like from a guy in the NBA. I'm sure it was written. I'm sure you know most of these guys have publicists. Maybe he wrote it from the heart, or I think he wrote it with giving from his publicist some key points to hit on. Make sure in your apology you say X, Y, and Z and include X, Y, and Z, and you should be good. So I don't think it was heartfelt i think it was just the proper thing to say and do at the time and like i said to be ignorant of a term or of a derogatory term word whatever and then use it is not an excuse i wasn't sure who i was offending i'm pretty sure i offended somebody like to not know is not an excuse like that's my biggest thing is i don't like when people come out and say i didn't know it was offensive but to not know Is not an excuse to still go out and use it Like there might be a 5 year old kid Who could say one of these terms Because they heard it at home But for them to not know Isn't an excuse later on You know So that's kind of my biggest thing Is I don't like how it's When guys say certain stuff Especially when it's not the N word When it's any other thing like anti-Semitic Towards the Jewish community People don't know what's offensive to them But it's come to a point in time Where you gotta start learning Because this isn't the first time this happened you know, period, point blank, like at all from anybody being said anything towards that community. And two, like the N-word is not the only derogatory term towards a race that's offensive. Anything outside of that is fair game. So that's kind of my biggest thing. I don't think the apology was heartfelt. And two, I'm just big on to not know does not make your mistake any less of a mistake because you didn't know. Like as kids, you make a mistake. You didn't know what you did was wrong, but you still get corrected as a parent. I mean, you know. As a parent, just because your kid doesn't know it's wrong doesn't mean you don't correct them and let them know it's wrong. So that that's just my thing is the ignorance of saying I didn't know doesn't mean what you said. It shouldn't take away from what you said is offensive or less OK.
0: No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you said, and I've had a little bit of time to think on this. And one thing that I just find odd is that, you know, a 30 year old grown man can come out and issue an apology like this and Basically, just claim it all to ignorance, like you said, Mo. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a tricky conversation to have, especially here on a on a radio show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to navigate this carefully because it is a sensitive subject. You know, not just to protect our show and our platform and everything like that, but because me myself, I genuinely care about people. You know, and mm-hmm. I know that you feel that same way. So, you you hit the nail on the head when you said that even if he claim. Even if what he claims is correct that he didn't know what the term meant, one like as a thirty-year-old dude like shouldn't be just saying stuff that you don't really know what it means. You know, uh, don't go out and say something like that. You know, he's also in the gaming community where I'm sure that what is said to him and what he hears on there is is pretty bad. You know, I I'm mean, if you go you said that, like I'm if you go you if that. you go play on live games, like people say all kinds of terrible things just absolutely terrible things and it's just kind of an acceptable thing but mo you point out that he's not just a gamer you know he he's representing you know one of the only 30 teams in the entire world that has the platform that it has he's one of only 15 you know players on one of those 30 teams he's holding a spot down that somebody else who knows how to conduct themselves as a professional could come in and put up the amount of points that he's doing you know rebounds blocks all those other fun things mm-hmm. and ignorance like you said Mo is not an excuse but you said that you you're glad that I pointed out the gaming community what did you have to say about that
1: because like since you you know you opened the door my thing is this there's probably a lot of parents that are upset about what Miles Leonard said and you know I don't care whether it's In the Jewish community, black community, you know, I don't even want to bring race. But there's probably a lot of parents upset and there's probably a lot of people that down talk it. But my my biggest thing to them is what he did was dead wrong. But before you judge, you should check your 12 year old kid when they're playing Call of Duty. Because of all the games I play, I play games. Call of Duty is the worst. You can tell when you're playing the game that a little 12 year old kid His parents are gone at work or whatever, and he's in his room, and it's free game to say whatever he wants to say over a microphone. So my thing is, before you judge, you should kind of get a feel of what's being done when your kids are on that game because what he said was wrong. But there are things that are said equally as bad, if not worse, on a consistent basis on those games, on those platforms, every day, all day, throughout the day. So that's my thing is – you know, people who have kids who game, this should even be an eye opener to you that you should check, you know, if a 30-year-old NBA player who has that kind of platform isn't aware of the language he uses, then maybe you should kind of monitor your kids a little more, not to tell anybody how to parent, but you should pay attention because there's a lot there's things a lot worse said and equally as bad on a regular basis. And that's just that's just what it is. You let these 12, 13-year-olds, 19, 20-year-olds, whatever, get free reigns. Nobody's around. I can say what I want. I'm playing online. Nobody's going to find me. Nobody's going to know my true identity. So, you know, that's my biggest thing is when I see him play, I'm like, man, it's been going on for years. The only thing is he brought it to light by being an NBA player. And that's my thing is you got to carry yourself as a professional. So, you know, that's my biggest thing is it call of duty. Like our, our friend Rob says, it has some of the most toxic lobbies of any game. Like, you rely and it's kids you come to find out it's kids me i don't really wear the headset because i'm not gonna argue with the kid i'm a grown man but i hear what these kids say through and through and it's like that w- i'm not gonna say that was mild but things like that and worse are said on a daily basis by 12 13 year old kids the same kids that sit here and watch myers leonard play his game on his platform on twitch
0: yeah i wholeheartedly agree with everything that you just stated and not only that but considering the game that he's playing I think that compounds the severity and the basically how disgusting his comments were because who are some of the people that you can play as within a Call of Duty game? Nazi soldiers, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, that compounds it in my eyes because there's history behind the hate that is um, behind that derogatory term. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's based on historical evidence that's actually going on in the game at that time. So, to me, it's just there's levels of how severe and how wrong his comments were that being Myers Leonard but again you know these <laughs> these video game lobbies are pretty toxic like our buddy Rob just came in and commented and said and he even, he would even come out and say that that's mild based on what you can hear on a daily basis within those communities but mo man just before we move on to the next segment just want to appreciate your, you know, how genuine you were, how real you were in that in that conversation and just being willing to talk about it with me, because there's some people who, for whatever reason, are afraid to have these conversations. But to me, you know, hiding behind it isn't going to make things go away. You know, having conversations like this is where it begins. And, you know, we have to go out as, you know, as men, as fathers and as husbands we, and, and as neighbors, we can, uh, you know, impact and use positive. Influence on people to affect change. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you, you know, having this conversation with me.
1: Of course. Like, you know, you just sometimes it has to be said. Some people just don't like to speak on it because one wrong thing you say gets taken out of context. And now all of a sudden you're labeled, you know, racist, sexist. It's just such a sensitive time that it's tough to have these conversations because you're afraid of, I'd rather just not speak on it because something I say could be taken out of context. And now, you know, you're looking at me and my appearance on breaking the game is unwanted, unwarranted because of saying something wrong. But,
0: you know, again, though, you know, having the conversation help makes it better. But now Mm -hmm. we'll transition to a little bit more basketball related basketball topic. Actually, what we're going to do, Mo, and I'm glad that you were available to come on the show today today. Because I want to talk about what we think is going to happen within the second half of the NBA season. You know, if you're listening to this on Dash Radio here on the Nothing But Net channel, you know, you're listening to us Friday. Wednesday was the the first day after the All Star break that we had games. We're recording this on Thursday. There's games actually going on as we speak right now. Mm-hmm. But Mo, since we're kind of slowly integrating back into the NBA season, the second half of it, that is, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about who we think are going to improve the most overall as a team, who we think are going to fall off the most as a team, and then who our second half MVP is going to be. So with that being said, I want to talk about the biggest risers. Now, Mo, you're our honored guest. I would love to get your take on who you think is going to improve the most in the second half of the NBA season.
1: Uh, I want to say my team, the Miami Heat, because of where they were at last year and where they're at right now, it'd be very easy to see them improve. But as far as biggest risers, I think I'm going to throw you off here. Okay. I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls. Oh, okay. It, it, it's a little bit of a stretch, I think. But I just I love what they have going on. I love the two-guard combo with Kobe White and Zach Levine. I love the way Zach Levine's playing. And so I think he's playing at a, a borderline MVP level, if you would say. Like, you didn't think Chicago would be this good, first off. You didn't think they'll be on the outside looking in, but they're right there in the playoff spot. Granted, it's because some teams are worse than we thought it would be. But the playoff spot, I mean, you're in 12th place in your conference. You could be within three, three and a half games at 12th place. I think the Bulls will actually sneak in as an eighth seed in the playoffs this year. So I would say risers because, first off, they're kind of a little bit above expectations right now, midway through the season, fighting for a playoff spot. But I think them coming in and playing in the play in game and ultimately getting a full seven game series. And, and I think they'll be the play in, they'll be one of the play in winners to go and actually be, you know, um, I think they'll be one of the play in winners to play in the first round of the NBA playoffs. I just I love Zach Levine. I love what Patrick Williams is doing. I love that he was a counted out draft pick by many at where he got drafted. I love, you know, I'm a big fan of Kobe White. I think Kobe White is great. And I think the Bulls are going to make a move. I don't know for who, um, but I think they're going to make a move to improve their team. So that's another thing is I think the Bulls will make one move to give them that next step to really be a playoff team, kind of like how the Hornets, like they look a lot better since LaMelo has started. They've made some moves and they may be willing to, you know, they went and got their Gordon Hayward. I don't think they'll get one who's as impactful, but I think the Bulls are really – keying in on this buyout market and trade market for some of the less value guys and I think they're going to make a move or two to ultimately improve their team and take it on down the stretch.
0: Okay, well since I have you on that conversation on where where you think they're going to improve and we didn't really discuss this beforehand, so I might be putting you on the spot, but I know you always mm-hmm. come ready. I mean, <laughs> you're you're the host of the Up and Flame show, so you yeah, got yeah. I know that you're always ready. You mentioned that they make a trade or they sign a, a, you know, a player via the buyout market. What type of player do they need to add? What position do you think that they're looking to add onto the Chicago team? Because a lot of people are in the impression that they just want to give away Zach Levine to a contender just to help them out. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you see these trade machines all the time, thinking like, who can make a deal to get Zach Levine? You know how are the Knicks going to get Levine? Are you know, the Nets going to get Levine. Are the are the Warriors going to get him? Could could you know Dallas end up getting him? What do you think? Who do you think Chicago adds to make their team more competitive?
1: Um, who like to, just to touch on your point about Zach Levine? This is a lot of people saying like they want to see Zach Levine in a bigger platform, a better situation than the Chicago Bulls. I don't think the Bulls are the worst situation in the NBA. I think they have something going. Zach Levine is what, 27 years old. He's not that old to where you can't. Kobe White is young. He's relatively young. He's been in the league for like two, three years. Patrick Williams obviously is a rookie. So they're building in the right direction for a guy in his prime. I don't think Zach Levine is a make or break to win a championship. In a sense, there's like a couple teams I could see him really making, pushing them over the edge, but not many. Um, I've never heard the Bulls come out and say Zach Levine is available. So I think, All the trade speculation is just everybody wanting to see their team get Zach Levine and think that he wants better than the Chicago Bulls. He seems really grateful to be in Chicago first-time All-Star. I think the best best player to go and get, to me, would be Andre Drummond. Mm. I think he's going to be the best player on the market when the buyouts and trade market is all said and done. I don't think Drummond will go there because – I think he wants to go to more of a contender. You know, the team's on re, perspective on his list is like the Lakers, and there's belief in the Nets organization. There's belief in Boston's organization, Miami. Miami's pursuing LaMarcus Hawk. So is those guys who are right there at winning a championship. But I would say Andre Drummond will really fit in there. I think they're missing like one dominant paint presence. We know he's a walking 18 and 13 a night guy. You know, 18 points, 13 rebounds. Hassan Whiteside would be another guy. Yes, he's not. he hasn't been as great, but I think his impact on the defensive end. And then the availability of John Wall would be something I would look mm. at, believe it or not. And because I love Kobe White and I love Zach Levine, but my biggest thing is I can either turn Kobe White into my sixth man to get me buckets off the bench, or I can bring in John Wall to do the same thing. So that's my – I think John Wall would be a really good fit as that third guard coming off the bench. Whether you decide to go with him in the starting lineup or Kobe White, I just think that would secure you a guy to run your second-team office and truly get you a bucket. And, you know, John Wall, fully healthy right now. He's a walking bucket. He's back to normal, as normal as he's going to be for as athletic Mm -hmm. as he was. So I think he could make a big improvement for the Bulls. I think if they were able to trade John Wall for minimal – capital right now and maybe you know future draft picks i think he'd make a big difference and and that would be something that puts them over the edge to make the playoffs
0: okay and and right now mo you're right the the bulls are on the outside looking in but only ever so slightly they're the ninth seed right now the toronto raptors are the eighth seed now if you look at the win percentage the raptors have won 47.2 percent of their games the bulls have won 47.1 percent of their games so they're just ever so slightly Mm -hmm. outside the playoff picture right now. So with that being said, you have them as the biggest riser in -hmm. your eyes. They're the ninth seed. How high up do you see them getting?
1: At the highest, I would say six. Okay. And the reason why I look at how close it really is, and so it, it wouldn't be considered the biggest jump. But if at the end of the season, the Bulls finish six in the Eastern Conference, you can't tell me that wouldn't be, like, an amazing season. Like, I understand, you know, teams on un- Miami Heat are underperforming. They just went to the finals. You know, now they're, like, bear- they're holding their breath above 500, at 500. So, it's like, but the, the conference standings change every day. The East changes every day. Mm-hmm. And so, that's my biggest thing is I think they could finish six. I think when you put them, they're going to be in a dogfight with I mean, Charlotte's going to be right there, even on the outside. Washington has started rolling before the All-Star break. I know they're still far behind, but I, I just think six would be an ideal. Like if they rise from nine to six, it's not as much of a jump as it seems, but I think it's a realistic jump. If they go in the direction, get who they're supposed to get, who they need to get to improve a little bit. I think they could be at the sixth seed.
0: Yeah, and you, if they are the six seed, you have them jumping right now. The Toronto Raptors, Charlotte Hornets, and your beloved Miami Heat. So, and, and the fact that you bring them up, I think that would be the one of the biggest risers, maybe of the season overall. You mentioned that you know jumping three spots. That might not be the biggest jump that we see specifically within the second half of the season, but that's not a bad way to go because I think if anything, most people would look at Chicago as a team on the way down with teams like the Pacers, the wizards and the Hawks Mm -hmm. behind them, you know? So when you compare to who's behind them and who's ahead of them, them going up three spots would actually be a pretty significant jump in in my eyes as well. Now, Mo, I want to share with you my biggest riser who I have. Um, They're in the opposite conference. They're in the Western conference. Maybe you've heard of the guy who's kind of the star of their team. His name is Luka Doncic. You're familiar with this with this basketball player, correct?
1: Oh yeah, 100% I know Luka is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know who he is. Okay. Um and real quick, um, my buddy Brandon Melinda jumps in and says Chicago isn't going anywhere. We'll see. We'll see. I don't
1: think I don't think I don't think I picked out of all the teams that I felt could rise, I kind of went to the one of the lesser popular opinions mm-hmm. so I don't think a lot of people will agree with that but I just look at what they have how well they play how well Zach Venus playing and how close the Easter conference is it's not too much to say that they'll rise a couple spots I mean they could fall down where they make me really look really bad and everybody say see I told you so but I think they're invested in improving right now ultimately playing in the playoffs so if they do come in the second half in these next two weeks with that mindset I think they will get who they need to ultimately rise up to about the sixth or seventh seed.
0: Yeah, and again, and my buddy Brandon just came in and said that's a fair opinion. And remember, Brandon, that this is contingent on most theory that they're going to add another player right. in order to get a little bit more competitive. So that that's also another thing to consider there. But again, my team, Luka Doncic, the Dallas Mavericks, right now they're the eighth seed in the Western Conference. I had them significantly higher in my preseason predictions. They're 19 and 16. But here's why I have faith in them, Mo. Before the All-Star break, they came in their last 10 games. They went eight and two, and they're currently on a four-game win streak. Now, Luka Doncic is, came in, and we talked about this in the NFL with Russell Wilson, right? That we were looking at him like the whole let Russ cook thing. He was really, it felt like he was really doing everything he could specifically to get an MVP award this season. Luka Doncic came in with similar expectations, right? Everyone was crowning him, myself included as the, you know, kind of prediction based MVP of this NBA season. So I think Rick Carlisle had a heart to heart with him and pulled you, pulled him to the side. He's like, Hey man, look, it's cool that you want to win this MVP award, but the team is struggling right now. And actually, if we, if you stop this whole, you know, Luka ball thing where it's just you doing stuff by yourself, we'll win more games and that'll actually help your MVP case, you know, because this is an NBA champion. He's coached Hall of Fame players. He knows a little bit about the game of basketball. And so I think Luca had his moment, kind of what Russell Wilson did this season, where he looked and said, all right, I got to change my game a little bit in order for this team to succeed. And and advance as far as we can. So, with that being said, Mo, I have the Dallas Mavericks. Porzingis has stepped up his game as of late. He's actually been healthy for the past couple of games. You know, Jalen Brunson has had good games. Tim Hardaway Jr. is starting to come back to where he was last season. They made the move to deal out, you know, Seth Curry and then bring in Richardson. They, in my opinion, they tried to go a little bit more defensive minded last Mm -hmm. season, being one of the best offensives we had ever seen apparently wasn't good enough for them but um I I have the Dallas Mavericks as my biggest riser I could see them getting all the way up to maybe even the fifth seed by the time the season is over getting outside the play in picture and maybe even contending for you know that fourth seed what do you think about my pick for the Dallas Mavericks
1: um I mean I definitely could see it you know to say that a team with Luka Doncic couldn't rise you know what I mean like a superstar, like he still is a superstar. I wasn't ready to crown him king yet the Mm. way a lot of people were. And to to come into the season and pick him as an MVP was not outrageous. It wasn't outlandish. It didn't mean you were crowning him king and saying he's the best player in the league. But you just felt like this was going to be his breakout, like I'm here, I'm one of the best players in the game, and I'm here to stay. And you look at his numbers, and he still is one of the best players in the game. Like you said, I think the only thing is if they keep Chris Stapps, um, I think they benefit from trading him away if they're gonna get players in return that that you could solely build around Luca. Like Luca is six foot seven, he can shoot. He's not as great a shooter as everybody likes to say, um, but he's still he's a good shooter, good good great passer. Obviously he's a rebound. He, he's a do it all point guard in my eyes. But I will say that. If they, tr- I think they'd be better off trading Chris Stapps because if he has some type of value that you could bring a guy that could help you right now, you win. Because you don't know if Chris Stapps is going to be available in 20 games. So, it's like, I think your take is either barring Chris Stapps being healthy, or they trade him and get, you know, if they if he's healthy, I 100% agree with you. They'll probably be the biggest risers in the Western Conference. Or if they trade him for pieces that fit around Luka, I 100% agree with you. They'll rise. And Dallas will ultimately take that next step. They made it in the playoffs is what? The seven seed last year or, or did mm-hmm. they make it in? The, yeah. They made it in a seven seed. They step up be five, maybe even four and have a home playoff series in the first round. So that, that wouldn't be a surprise either. So I'm not shocked at your pick. I think it was a great pick, very logical. And when we look at where teams are right now and the potential where they could be, I think they're in the best situation to rise Cause some teams are outdoing themselves right now, and other teams are about where you thought they would be.
0: Yeah, and just keep keep in mind what you were saying about the Eastern Conference. You know, basically saying what I like to call a bag of cats, right? Like it's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, you know, when you open the bag back up, what's going to fly mm-hmm. out back at you. But right now, I mentioned that the Mavericks are the eight seed. They're seven and a half games back of the number one seed. The fifth seeded Portland Trailblazers are five and a half games back from the one seed, so all that essentially means is that the distance from eight to five right now is only two games, Mo. Mm -hmm. And you said that you know game to game that can change. I don't think that it would be too outlandish for even if KP is doing what he's done most of the year, where he's he's in for you know fifteen games and sits seven, and then comes out and finishes the rest of the season or what have you. I don't think that it's a stretch for the Dallas Mavericks to go on a hot streak like they did coming into the all-star break mm-hmm. and then make, and then make some noise. But I do understand your concern about Chris Topps Porzingis. That's a very valid point. My buddy Brandon wrote in and, and mentioned the same thing. His availability is going to be key, but that's if he doesn't get dealt. Mo, that was a, a, ve- a very fair point. So now Mo, what I'd like to do, we talked about our risers now for people to move up. That means someone's got to move down. So you have, mm-hmm. you have the bulls coming all the way up, right? So,
1: In a a sense, yeah. In a sense.
0: So who's falling out? Who's your biggest faller? Toronto. Mm.
1: Um, Toronto's not even 500 right now. But there's, there's so many trade rumors around Toronto and whether they're keeping Kyle Lowry first off. Granted, I love Van Vliet, but Kyle Lowry is so important to Toronto itself, the city, the organization, and that team. In particular, like as good as Van Vleet is, Kyle Lowry is still the heart and soul of Toronto. He was right along with DeMar DeRozan. They were the heart and soul of the Toronto Raptors. So with the possibility of Kyle Lowry leaving, I don't think there's a lot of value, trade value. I think you may get maybe a second round pick, a low ball, you know, contract filler or something like that. But I think they're going to fall. They're in the eighth spot right now. I think we could be looking at Toronto. It could be one of the lesser teams in the Easter Conference when it's all said and done because I think they're going to be big sellers at the trade market. Siakam isn't playing as expected. He's still playing good basketball, but he didn't take that next step that he took from when they won the championship to last year. Like he took it where he was leading that team. I guess you could say he was the best player on the team. I wouldn't say by himself, but he took that next step. Look, played all-star basketball. Obviously, he didn't this year. So that's kind of my thing with Toronto is I think they're going to be big sellers in the next two weeks with buyouts or or the trade market. And I think if Kyle Lowry leaves, I think that hurts that team a lot with leadership and just, he's a true point guard. He knows how to run the office. He knows how to get everybody in their spots, get guys open. He's not worried about scoring points, any hustles. He's a defender. He plays defense. He gives you 110% every night. And so I think if he does leave, that'll be missed the most. And I think out of everybody who's buyer sellers that I think it'll hurt Toronto the worst. And I think they could end up falling out of the playoffs. They're already an seed, but they don't even have a 500 record. So to say that they could fall down to, you know, with, like you said, who's behind them. You got Washington, Indiana, Atlanta, you got those teams coming behind them. And I think with Lowry, if he's out of Toronto, which it very well looks like will happen. If he's out of Toronto, I just don't see them maintaining and staying at eight when you got three teams that are probably going to be buyers at the trade at the trade deadline and the buyout market right behind them, like you said. And then Washington, they're on and off, but they got to roll them before the All Star game. They do have Russell Westbrook and they do have Bradley Bill. so I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a little hot streak and have a have a bid for a playing game also. So that's three to four teams behind them that could overtake them off a of natural talent, let alone. You know what I mean? If Kyle Lowry goes, I just don't see the Raptors staying afloat.
0: Yeah. It'd be really difficult for that to happen because coming into the season, we know that they lost Marcus Gasol. We know that they lost Serge Ibaka. They tried to replace as much as they could with bringing in a guy like Chris Boucher, who's having a really good season by all accounts compared to where he was prior to this year. And then they bring in Aaron Baines, who seems to be a fan favorite, but that's really about where he's at in his career now. So that was a huge blow to this team. And then, yeah, losing Kyle Lowry, they lose so much of the the intangible stuff that he brings to a team that mm-hmm. you'll miss more when he's gone. You know what I mean? Like You feel like you appreciate it now. Wait until you no longer see him in a Toronto uniform communicating with his teammates. And there's a whole lot of teams that would be vying for his services right now, whether that's via a trade or the buyout market itself. So Toronto's not a bad get just to remind you they're the eighth seed right now they're 17 and 19 their last 10 games they were five and five and they're on a two-game losing streak since you have them as their biggest as the biggest fallers, i gotta ask you how far back do you think they go
1: i mean i guess i would say 12 i could very see the, i could very well see them twelve in the eastern conference because like i said there's three to four teams right there's three teams already. you know the pacers the the Wizards the um who else am I think the Hawks that are right behind them that that could overtake them so I would say 12 I I think it's a fair evaluation if they get rid and all this depends on getting rid of Kyle Lowry because I think he's the heart and soul of that team I think Van Vliet will step up but sometimes no matter how many how much players step up it's just that leadership that guy that presence is very well missed and this isn't a championship year for them so they might start looking at ways to rebuild the team, how they need to go about the draft. I don't think they'll tank, but they'll start looking at how can we improve our team, see what we have and see what, what moves we need to make in the offseason. A lot of times that goes to losing games, trying lineups, um, giving guys a little more playing time than normal because you need to see if they have a future with their organization. Or in the offseason, you need to evaluate their future with your organization and let them go. So I would say 12 because there's three to four teams right behind them that could pass them off of pure talent and playing great basketball in the second half anyway. You take anything off of Toronto, and I wouldn't be surprised if all those teams pass them up.
0: Yeah, and with losing a guy like Kyle Hour, you imagine that their lineup would look probably like Van Vliet, Powell, Ananobi, Siakam, and then Boucher. And that's really not scaring a lot of teams in in the Eastern Conference so Mo you you basically talked about a team that I refer to as the Eastern Conference Spurs my biggest faller or the actual Spurs you know the San Antonio Spurs out in the Western mm-hmm. Conference right now they're the seventh seed they're 18 and 15 at, on their last 10 games they're five and five and also on a two-game losing streak so kind of mirroring what you're seeing with Toronto right now in the Eastern Conference now One of the biggest reasons why I think that the Spurs are going to fall, it's not really due to, you know, the talent level or the coaching ability of a Greg Popovich. It's just that I believe that they're finally realizing that it's time to fully commit to a rebuild of sorts. You know, Greg Popovich, I have a funny feeling that this is going to be his last season in the NBA. I just, I have that feeling. This feels like, you know, if you've ever seen, the movie The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, one of the quotes in that is, you know, a tiger is the most dangerous when it's seeing the end. And I don't think that a lot of people saw the Spurs being a seventh seed in the Western Conference. Even earlier in the season, I believe they made it all the way up to the fifth seed. Mm -hmm. DeMar DeRozan was looking like he could have been an all-star. I felt that he should have got the nod to be one. And then you started seeing all these young guys playing very well together. And Popovich is showing one of his best coaching, you know, displays that he's shown in recent memory, in, in my opinion, based on the, the cast that he has around him. But now we we hear reports that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be available, whether that be a or be via a trade or a buyout. You got mm-hmm. the feeling that other guys like a Patty Mills is going to end up being on a team. There are several guys, Rudy Gay, maybe even DeMar DeRozan. Maybe they fully displayed his value, and they're going to look to cash on that. And on a on a draft that many people, I believe that you feel this way too, it's gonna to be a really good draft. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see. It was a good draft last year because it had plenty of guys that you need to be a winning team available in that draft. This season, it's gonna be these are gonna be the future stars of the NBA in this draft. And I think the Spurs recognize that. I think that Popovich recognizes that as well. Right now, the Spurs are the seventh seed. Some teams behind them are the Dallas Mavericks, who already said were my biggest risers. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors. Even, you know, the Pelicans and the Thunder are, are not are right at the heels of the Spurs. Mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be a time where we see the Spurs kind of regress at the second half of the season. I see them even falling down maybe to that the eleven, twelve seed, like you said, with the with the Toronto Raptors. Mo, what do you think about my biggest faller?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's I think the Spurs are like a given. And and it's because of everything you said, you know, you're going to see regression. You know, I'm a big on talent prevails all in the NBA. So they don't have the most talented team. Obviously in the Western conference, you look at, they don't even really have a true star. Uh, The Warriors have Steph Curry. They have a star that could push them over the edge and give them that lift. They need in the second half. I don't think DeRozan can be that. I don't think he's been that since he left Toronto I loved him in Toronto, but you know, it was like, that was his city. That was his passion. Like he, he played for a city that was behind him. I don't think San Antonio ever fully got behind DeMar DeRozan. And like you said, I think he could be available for trade. Obviously it's out there. LaMarcus Aldridge may be bought out available for trade. Patty Mills has come out in um, trade conversations. So it looks like they're going to be another team. that's going to be big sellers at the trade deadline and buyout market and all that. And so, There's going to be contending teams that three of those guys, Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, and Aldridge, I still think could contribute on a championship contending team. And those championship contending teams know that. And all they got to do is talk good enough to get LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't think his price tag is going to be heavy. I don't think Patty Mills' price tag is going to be heavy. Obviously, I think DeRozan will have the heaviest price tag, but it's not going to be a Drew Holiday trade package because you know the Spurs are kind of selling anyway so you don't have to overpay for any of those players and so i see Boston and i see the Lakers and the Heat they're involved in improving somewhere Brooklyn still after getting Blake Griffin is always Clippers. interested in improving the Clippers the Clippers are, are tied tightly to Kyle Lowry like that's kind of so i see all these teams really looking at their roster and being like we're good let's go be great and there's a lot of there's a lot of players out there available via trade or that will eventually get bought out that's going to be available to improve your team and make all these championship contending teams better i think the spurs have two to three players worth that type of value i think patty mills could be a key contributor off the bench for a clippers a lakers um you know the nets boston like you golden just look state at- exactly because it's not even about fit anymore and system all the time with a guy like patty mills he can shoot he hustles he fits anywhere. He's, he's mm-hmm. a good shooter. He's going to hustle. So he fits anywhere. It adds depth to your bench. Obviously, you're not bring, if you're needing to bring him in as a starter, you're probably not a contender anyway. So he adds depth to your bench. You look at Brooklyn. They don't have the deepest bench. They could use them. Boston could even use them. Just all these contending teams are looking where they can improve. And so that's why I fully agree with you that I think the Spurs will be the biggest fallers. If I picked one out of the Western Conference, it'd be the Spurs also.
0: Okay, fair enough, and I, I appreciate you agreeing with me. That makes me feel better about the way that I evaluate the game because when me and Mo are, you know, in sync and we're, you know, hand-in-hand hand on an opinion, there's no greater feeling in the world than me, man. Oh, so, 100%. Right on, right on. So now, Mo, real quick before we exit, the last segment that we have for the day is our second-half MVP. You and I both agree that Joel Embiid has dominated this first half of the NBA season. It was a little bit closer for you for a little bit longer. You know, Mm -hmm. you you believe that LeBron James kind of fell off a little bit in the standings when Anthony Davis went out. So now that the second half of the season is underway, who do you think is going to be the MVP of the second half of the season?
1: There's like three guys I have in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I know where you're going. Um, I'm going to go with my man, Steph Curry. Okay, I think think Steph Curry going to be the second half MVP of the second half. You know, we we both agree that I think Joel Embiid has MVP locked up. As long as he continues his play, I don't see anybody playing at their best and outdoing Embiid for MVP. And stays healthy. Yeah, exactly. As long as he stays healthy, that's the biggest thing. I think Steph Curry will be the second half MVP. I just see it where they're at. It's a prime spot for Steph Curry to get a lot of love. They're in like the playing game right now. They're on the outside looking into the playoffs. They're not far behind like you pointed out. It just leads everything to Steph Curry. He's been playing great this year. He's had some bad games, of course, every superstar does, but it's just leading perfectly for him to even get some higher MVP considerations. And I think he's going to take that challenge. He's going to get the Warriors to the playoffs. Um, There's no doubt in my mind. A lot of people did doubt whether the Warriors could make the playoffs this year or not. I didn't. Even after Klay went down, I still felt like they had enough to make the playoffs. Now, that's all I gave him. I'm pretty sure I had him as like my eighth seed. But I think he could even boost them to like that seven, borderline six, because it's so close. Like you said, from five to eight, is two and a half games. So it's so close that if, if Steph and the Warriors go on a roll and they're They're a team that's looking at improving at the buyout market in the trade deadline. They were in talks, uh, you know, their their team name popped up to get Blake Griffin. So they are also looking at improving, and I think Steph Curry is going to continue to play great. I think he's going to average about 30 points a game. I think that's what he's going to have to do to be obviously considered the MVP of the second half, but to get his team into that playoff, into that play-in game, in that play-in game, scenario and ultimately into the playoffs I think that's what he's gonna have to do no Clay Thompson but if there's a guy I could put my money on that'll answer that calling I think it'd be Steph Curry
0: yeah hands down agree and I won't get into you know a long explanation as to why but uh, I'm gonna rock with Giannis Antetokounmpo I just think for one I think that people are just now starting to realize like okay yeah he he's not the number one seed in the Eastern Conference right now He's still giving you 29 points, 12 rebounds, six assists on 55% shooting from the floor. So, and he's still giving you some really good defense over a steal and a block per game. Uh, don't expect the Bucks to maybe surplant the Nets or the or, or the Sixers at all. But I think that they'll hang on to around that third seed for the rest of the season. And I think the narrative will start changing a little bit if the Bucs can get on a, a decent enough hot streak. And finish out strong. But Mo, man, I just I really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's an honor and pleasure, as always, to do some work with you. Before we go, man, I just want you to let the people know, you know, kind of what you do again at the Off the Ball Network, where they can follow you, where they can find you, and anything that you have in the works in the near future.
1: Yeah. So, Stephen, once again, I appreciate you for coming on. I had some big shoes to fill. A little nervous, you know, the way you and Austin, you know. The way y'all are together as a duo, it's tough to match that. I watch y'all show, you know, every time y'all come on. I'm pretty active on here, so. But yeah, y'all can follow me um, at Up at Flames Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Mo underscore Cheese fifteen for my personal account. Go to Off the Ball for all your sports needs. You going catch great shows like Breaking the Game, great shows like Mine with Up in Flames. You know, we got so many. I could give everybody their individual flowers. But I'll just lead you to OffTheBallNetwork.com to do that. Shout out to our newest sponsor, Manscaped and Mm. Ice Shaker. Um, Details will be a lot more out there over the next couple days. Uh, We got some big things in the works. Everybody's worked so hard up to this point. Everybody deserves everything that we have coming as a network. And, you know, like I said, um, I got a show. Big mock draft. It's the end of our mock draft. Picks 21 through 32 tomorrow tomorrow. Fellas, I'll get y'all, y'all's draft order later on after the show. But, um, yeah, the end of that. Tomorrow is actually on top of that, my one-year anniversary, if you want to call it, since my debut episode is up in flames. So, you know, tomorrow's going to be the, the mock draft for picks 21 through 32. Kind of before we get that started, be a little celebration. Everybody get to, you know, talk and, and kind of celebrate with me because it, it wouldn't happen, it wouldn't stay consistent. Without any of the guys that'll be on tomorrow, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. And you know, got another show coming Saturday. If you haven't checked out my latest episode with Jordan Foot, great, great show, great guy to talk to. So, but yeah, Steven, once again, I appreciate you for having me on.
0: Yeah, and dude, anytime. I mean, I, I'm honored just to even have you come on this show, man. You do so much good work. I'm very much looking forward to that NFL mock draft, the official inaugural off-the-ball mock draft show, which will eventually get turned into a a fun little graphic that we're going to be able to interact with the fine folks on social media on. You've done a fantastic job of organizing that, you know, laying out kind of the stipulations and the rules behind it. It has been such a fun project to get to be a part of, man. I I appreciate you trusting me as a basketball guy coming on and talking about some, some, some NFL, something that's not really my strong point, but, you know, I, I can come mm-hmm. on and talk a little bit of football with y'all. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was one of those, get everybody. I'm not going to say get everybody out of their comfort zone, but what's outside of basketball, what is everybody caring about the the draft And so, you know, with you being a big Rams fan, we'll talk in the group chat. It was like, bro, we're just kind of, I just want everybody to be a part of it. It was like, at first it was like, okay, I'm a host it. But then I looked at it and I was like, I want it to be a project for the network that everybody could be a part of. Everybody will have their credit for their picks, you know, so that's where the graphic is going to come Or the blame. In. Yeah, or the blame, but, you know, <laughs> it just I thought it would be fun to get everybody together, you know, pretty much the past three Fridays um, to go ahead and give our picks, our hot takes on picks, in a sense, and just get everybody credited so when this graphic comes out it's not just to one guy who's doing all the draft stuff. Everybody, each pick you'll see who picked who, um, and I was just glad to host it. Like, I was glad to put a project together. My first like true project for the network that I put together, but it's been fun. I've been honored that everybody's been excited to be on it and has loved being on it. So it's definitely a, a way to look, you know, when you guys say I love being on this show, it just make me feel good because I'm glad I put something together that everybody was excited to be a part of.
0: Yeah. And you, you do a lot of great work, you know, being the vice president of off the ball You don't get, you don't get to that position without, you know, Having a little bit of something, you know, in your toolbox and in your toolkit mm-hmm. to go out and perform the way that you do, man. So, again, just shout out to you and all the great work that you're doing. But as for the show, uh, you, you know, again, normally I'm joined by my buddy Austin Carr today. We were graced with the president of, of Mo from Up in Flames. Be sure to go check out his podcast anywhere that you have podcasts available, you know, on. So that's, you know, your Spotify's, your iTunes, anywhere that you get them up in flames is available. So go and do that. Be sure to go to OffTheBallNetwork.com for all of your sports needs. We have all kinds of sports that we talk about on there. Of course, we have NBA. Of course, we have NFL. But we also have hockey. We also have combat sports. We also have Mm -hmm. WNBA. We have so much great content on there, whether that's written work. Or if you are curious to what other podcasts that are affiliated with the Off The Ball Network, you can go to OffTheBallNetwork.com to figure out what, what all is available to you to listen to from the off the ball network. So be sure to go do that. Shout out to fanatics. Shout out to ice shaker. Shout out to manscape. And if you are interested at all with becoming partners with the off the ball network, be sure to hit it. Either myself up hit mo up. You can hit up our president, Chris LeBron or other vice president, Jeff hunt and, and come alongside us and be a part of the rise of the off the ball network. We would greatly appreciate that. But mo man, Just, I appreciate you coming on the show. It was an honor and privilege to get to work with you today. And, uh, you know, I know that we got nothing but success coming in the near future for us because of some of the, you know, the great work that you do, man.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate it, bro, once again.
0: Yeah, man. All right, we'll get y'all out of here. So for my honored guest, Mo Murphy, for myself, for Austin who couldn't be here today, for the Breaking the Game show, for the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, for all things basketball, this has been breaking the game we will catch up with you guys next time much love everybody